brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Two more editions of the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars this week and next. Getting you ready for the state championship games at Center Park Stadium at Georgia State this week and next. So it's preview this week, review next week for the last two editions of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. John here, Hannah there. And we've made it to the last games of the year. We have. I can't believe it. We've got seven guests today who all know their assignments. Yes, they do. They've each been assigned to talk about a specific classification that goes with their neck of the woods. Right. And they really go in depth. They really break down these championship matchups. And I feel like I learned something today. And it's always good to have all of the different perspectives that mm-hmm. we get when it comes to the championships. Todd Holcomb of the Georgia High School Football Daily. John Kuhn, legendary play-by-play voice here in the state of Georgia. He's going to look at single-A public for us. He called Brooks County and met her, so he got to see Brooks County close up. He'll talk about South Georgia a little bit as well. Both sides of the quad-A matchup. Christian Gokel from ESPN Coastal to give us the Savannah perspective. Jack Patterson, the Shaw graduate, gives us <laughs> the uh, Columbus perspective for Carver from WRBL-TV in Columbus. It is, uh, And next up is someone close to you. Jack's passion is unmatched, by the way. Hey, it's, hey that's the Shaw grad coming out. Then we have Paige Dower, the sports director at WALB. She'll be looking at Southwest Georgia, previewing AA and single-A public for us. And then after that, it's Marvin James from 13 WMAZ-TV in May. Part of their great coverage down there, the Warner Robins graduate. Mm. So he's got a bit of an additional perspective there. And we just all get to hello when it comes to that particular game. Bless you. Thank you. And then uh, Matt Stewart coming in, the voice of Georgia high school football here for Football Fridays in Georgia at GPB. So it is a stacked show and a stacked roster this week and next. Our very first GBB Sports All-Star on the podcast today is editor of the GHSF Daily, Todd Holcomb. Todd, welcome in. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm very honored to be batting leadoff. Yep. Yes, you're, you're batting for lead the off. second time. Well, yeah, well, this, this <laughs> week and next, he's batting leadoff on the show, and it's going to be fun. So from 30,000 feet, as we start rapid fire with you, what is, what's your 30,000-foot uh, observations of this year's championship games? Well, a lot of really good uh, kind of showdown matchups of, of teams that, that we thought from the very start were going to be good. I mean, like Collins Hill, Milton, I, I had them rank one, two in preseason, and just a lot of teams like that that have really been playing well. There's, I mean, it's always fun to have Cinderella's, and maybe there are a couple of those as well. But um, it's also fun when you got, you know, some teams that you that have just really played well all year. You thought they would, and now here they are. We're assigning each All Star a <laughs> classification. So your lucky draw is Triple A and Single A Private. Let's start with a Triple A preview. It's Cedar Grove versus Carver Atlanta. Cedar Grove won a state championship back just a few years ago in 2019. Carver Atlanta has not played in a state championship or won one since 1967. They just made it to the finals. They did not win one that year. Right. Uh, talked to head coach Darren Miles at Media Days on Sunday. He could not have been more excited to be in that atmosphere. I asked him to talk about some of the leaders on his team. He named every single player. His entire roster. And every single staff member, Todd. <laughs> Uh, he, I mean, he is the best. I'm so happy for Coach Miles. 
Um, one of the best coaches out there doesn't, you know, the only time at a state level you get a lot of attention from being good coaches if you won a bunch of state titles and that sort of thing. And he, all he does is he's just, they just have good teams year in, year out. And it's just really nice to see them get to the final for the first time in, in so long because, you know, it, it, it he went to Carver Atlanta, and they they had no real tradition, and mm-hmm. and he, but he just views that as a place that he he feels he has a calling for. He's passionate about it, and you know he's built winning teams, but also really had a great impact on that community. And uh, that's that's really one of my favorite stories for them to be there first time since 1967. And then also, you know, quickly notice, you know, 67 that was one year after George High School Association. Uh, was integrated. Right. You, know, you didn't have all black schools playing together until '66, and Car- that Carver team was really a iconic one because they were the first one to make a championship game from the old GIA. And then on the flip side, your your other assignment, sir, is Class A private. And a lot of folks had thought that Trinity Christian was going to be one of the teams to look at. Incredible numbers offensively, and they make it. And it's another go round with PAC. Yeah, it is. Of course, it'll be flipped this time. You know, uh, Prince Avenue was a big favorite last year because they had Brock Vandegrift, and I think it's a, a neat story this year that they've, they're so good again. They're not quite as good as maybe they were last year. All good, that remains to be seen as they play a big game, maybe. Great quarterback, Aaron Fado, and who, who I think is leading, he's a sophomore, leading the state in passing yards now. And then, but Trinity's loaded. I mean, I, I really thought, and I mean, they may be the best Class A team that we've ever seen, honestly. Um, although they looked mortal last week, you know, winning in double overtime. But what a great Class A team! David Dallas, a great quarterback, went to Western Michigan with his brother, wide receiver, you know, Joshua Dallas, and they've they've got several really, really good players. Uh, so they're the favorite in that. But two, you know, two really good teams. Some really cool storylines coming out of PAC. They're going for their second state championship in a row, but Coach Vandergriff told me that Brock's actually mentoring their current quarterback and that he's the one that's kind of pulled him through this season and taught him what he knows, and I think I think that's something that's really cool. Yeah, I think he started doing that last year even, you know, when they were teammates. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just a lot of a pride that goes into that school and once you develop a tradition like that, you know, it, it matters and you want to pass down to the, the guys that are coming after you to keep it going. And so, yeah, that's a cool story. So, Todd, you're our version of Ricky Henderson hitting a home run, hitting leadoff <laughs> this week here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. We'll catch up with you next week for your review of what you thought from everything at Georgia State. Thanks for hanging out. Hey, that sounds great. Thanks. Batting second for the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars. Longtime play-by-play voice of the Vidalia Indians. The man who is the major domo of everything Central Georgia. John Coon, trusted and loved friend of mine. Thanks for hanging out with us and batting second this week and next. Yeah, absolutely, man. Pleasure to be with you guys anytime. All right, so 30,000-foot look from your perspective of the, the Central Georgia and uh, Eastern Georgia teams. What's your, what's your take on the championships and how it looks? Well, when you start looking down the – the line, I mean, Warner Robins has got to be, you know, um, right there in the mix uh, as far as the Central Georgia look. I mean, look what they've done. Um, two weeks ago, they just absolutely demolished, I mean, just demolished Jones County. And I never thought that would happen, not in a million years, especially the way the Jones County been playing. Um, so, you know, Warner Robins, very, very good. Uh, when you start moving south, of course, then you've got uh, the big matchups in uh, Class A and Double A. Double uh, A is a rematch of a region championship game, Thomasville and Fitzgerald. Um, you know, Thomasville's got all that offense. Um, Fitzgerald's got defense. Mm-hmm. Only gave up 193 yards to Thomasville in their first meeting. 
So ought to be pretty good. And then uh, in Class A, you're looking at another rematch. You're going to get uh, Brooks County and Irwin County. Um, same song, just a different day. We're going to ask you to get a little bit more in-depth with that single-A public matchup. That's your assignment on the show. <laughs> so Irwin County going for three championships in a row. Brooks County is back in the finals for the third year in a row, has not taken home the trophy. So get a little bit more in-depth for us on that one, Irwin versus Brooks. Well, you know what Irwin does. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just they're just Irwin County. They're not going to change a thing. Um, they're, they're just going to line it up, and they're going to say, you know, if you can stop us, you can stop us. We don't think you can. Um, nothing fancy. Just play hard-nosed football, and they've been doing that for years. Um, Brooks County, much the same. Um, you know, they play the, the, the variation of the old Delaware Wing T, if you will, a Tubby Raymond um, reference on yep, the show. Absolutely, and and that's exactly that's exactly what they do. Um, and and if you want to, you know, if you want to tighten it up for them, they'll put it in the spread. And then when you start spreading you out, then you got really big problems because Amari Arnold will go just wild. I mean, he had over two thousand, almost three thousand yards, twenty one hundred yards. I'm, I said almost twenty two hundred yards, twenty one hundred yards uh, going into the Metter game. Um, first. Play from scrimmage, 62 yards, gone. I mean, not even touched. Um, the second time he touched the ball, he went 72 yards. <laughs> and and for all practical purposes, that game was over. Um, Arnold is just a beast. And then if you try to stop him, then you got to worry about Jamal Sanders throwing it to Willie Brown, who can run with the best of them. So uh, I, I have no idea exactly how this one's going to turn out, but I do know that uh, it's going to be one of those good old-fashioned slugfests again, and whoever doesn't turn the ball over is going to win the game. Uh, I really think it's going to come down to that, guys. I think whoever makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win the game because the last few times that they've played, it's been about who gets the big stops and who takes advantages of the mistakes that the other team makes. So then real quick before uh, your, your at-bat is over for this week, sir, did the result surprise you? Did the, uh, how surprising was that Brooks County met a result to you? Oh, I was, I was shocked like just about everybody else except for somebody from Brooks County, I'm sure. Uh, you, you just don't do that against Metter. And I think they just got stunned. Uh, I mean, you go 62-72, and then the third possession they have, and it wasn't like they weren't moving the ball, guys. Metter was moving into the territory. They just couldn't get it in. They were inside the red zone two or three times, uh, got stopped twice, and then fumbled on the third possession. Kyle picks it up and goes 75 yards. Wow. I mean, it's 21 to nothing, and there's three minutes left to go in the first quarter. And and like I said, for all practical purposes, it was over then. But I was stunned. Uh, from that point on, you know, Metter pretty much, you know, played – settled down a little bit and played decent ball. But I think, you know, you get too far behind the eight ball there, and it's all over with. Metter a one seed, Brooks County a two seed, 49 to seven. Mm-hmm. I mean – that's that's a shocker. So it is, it is, and I think the I think the whole south part of the state was pretty well shocked, except for Brooks County and Irwin County because they know exactly you know what can happen you know with with those guys. And, Bring in the and, hammer. Yeah, and here real quick, I'm going to tell you guys something. Yeah, Brooks County is going to be loaded again next year. They only Ooh. got 12 seniors wow. on their roster. So, you know, Arnold's gone, uh, but Sanders and, you know, and company are going to be back, and uh, they're going to fill in with some great guys. Watch them next year. They'll be right back in it. John Kuhn bringing the hammer as always. Thank you for hanging out with us, my friend. We'll catch up with you again next week. 
All right. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. Victim number three, Christian Goat. Batting third. <laughs> Christian Gokel of ESPN Ooh. Coastal coming on to talk about what's happening on the coast on our GPB Championship Preview Show. So before we we give you your assignment of Quad A, what have you seen from the Coast teams heading through the playoffs into the championships? Uh, I just I think it came down to consistency when you look at all of these teams and uh, BC is one of those teams where I think the most consistent thing about them is they've been able to attack you in so many different ways, offensively and defensively. So. When it came down to in the playoffs, you have to make some adjustments because you're playing some really good teams. Uh, BC is the last one standing because they've been able to answer those questions. And obviously, you know, and getting to catch up with head coach Danny Britt at, at the coach interviews before this week started, it was good to get the breakdown from him about how prolific an offense it is and the balance that they have. And I got to talk to him about defense, too. Let's take it a step at a time when it comes to to Benedict. And what's it been like? Is he holding Garrett or mature into who he is as a senior? Yeah, it really started the first week of the season when they took on Columbus out of Miami. And I just thought the fact that he was hitting his three-step drop and just immediately getting rid of the football, you could just tell he's seeing the whole field. We've known the talent since he was in eighth grade because he's six feet tall in eighth grade and with a big arm. And then it just became the maturation process. And so we, we saw it last year with Trent Broadnax. He could hit the deep ball. This year it's just complete control of the offense. And then obviously being able to touch every part of the field with that arm, it, it's really been special to watch. Carver Columbus versus Benedictine in the Quad A Championship. Tigers have not been to a title game since 2007. Benedictine has won championships in 2014, 2016. So they're pretty familiar with with what it's like to be on the big stage. And I want to take a look at their zoom in more on their offense because look at these numbers. First round, 59 to nothing. Second round, 63 to seven. Quarterfinals, 24-21, and of course, in the semifinal game against North Oconee, 42-32. That's a lot of points on offense. Yeah, here's the thing about that, though, and I guess as a former defensive guy, I'm always going to look at it this way, is the defense has really set the offense up in plus territory Mm -hmm. a lot. Not taking anything away from the offense and what they've Mm -hmm. been able to do to capitalize on it, but turnovers, uh, forcing the other team to go three and out and punt, and Zaquan Bryan able to return and just create those short fields. I think against Luella, BC had three drives that started with inside the inside the 30 and a couple more inside the 40. So if you're playing offense that good and they're never on their own side of the field, it's going to be a long day. Well, you mentioned Zaquan last week. I think it was seven for 103 and two. And then you have Justin Thomas, who uh, has football as like a number two sport. Because with baseball heading to Athens, he runs for 126. And so you can't necessarily pick your poison with this offense because of the balance that's there. No, but that's why I think this matchup is so interesting because I think Carver can come out and they can try to match up one-on-one on the outside and let BC take their shots there and then just focus with the nine other guys on stopping the run game up the middle. That's what North Dakota tried to do. It's obviously 42 points is 42 points, but North Dakota did a great job of setting the edge and just keeping Justin Thomas contained, and then he breaks one for 65 yards for a touchdown, and that kind of skews his numbers a little bit. But outside of that, they did a really good job of containing him. But I was laughing with Danny Britt on his coach's show this morning because I was like, it's, it's a pretty good backup option for your team when you have a four-star quarterback as your backup <laughs> yeah. committed to Auburn. Seriously. Final thoughts on Benedictine this season and, and zero in on some of the storylines you're following in the championship game. Yeah, you kind of touched on a little bit earlier for – 
Columbus coming into this game, they're looking at this as, hey, this is the first time since 2007 mm-hmm. we've been here. Maybe a lot of people didn't expect us, whereas this since last year against Jefferson in the semifinals for BC, the expectation has been to be here. You have a four-star quarterback committed to Auburn. You have Justin Thomas coming back. You have Holden Sapp on the defensive side of the ball who's committed to Army and is having an unbelievable season. So just the pressure these dudes have been under to get back here. It's not like playing with house money. This is where a lot of people expected them to be and certainly where they expected to be. So to see them kind of carry that weight throughout the entire season and to see them on the stage now is really cool because – anything short of this, I think, for them would have been disappointing. So I'm excited uh, for the entire state to get to see this offense because I've been covering high school football in Georgia for a little while now, and I played it. I really haven't seen an offense this multiple before. It's not very often on the same drive. You see flex bone, then you see four wide, five wide, and they go into I formation all on the same drive, and it's fluid. So I'm excited for you guys to get to see it up close in person. So who's your favorite number three hitter in baseball of all time? Uh, I, so long as it's Chipper Jones, obviously. Okay. But, uh, obviously. So long as if, I'm your, if I'm your number three caller, I just I need that Freddie Freeman money. Uh, if you guys can work that out, <laughs> Me, uh, the money he's about to get to. <laughs> well, we're hoping. Well, Christian, as always, thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars. We'll catch up with you next week as our number three hitter as we break down what happened at the championships. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend, my friend. I'm excited to be back up there, guys. Thank you. Now, let's see. We're going to have to ask our next guest who his favorite cleanup hitter is. Jack Patterson joining us from WRTV, WRBL-TV in Columbus. Jack, who is your favorite cleanup hitter of all time? Oh, boy, that's a toughie. Oh, man, you put me on the spot. Uh, I'm always going to go with the Atlanta Braves, so you never can go wrong with good old Chipper. Uh, and, by the way, WRTV is in Indianapolis. That is true. So RTV I mean, is. Yeah, that is true. You know, They're Channel 6 in Indy. RBL is where you are in Columbus, if I could you know, actually get what I'm saying to come out of my mouth correctly. <laughs> so, basically, Christian Gokel said uh, Freddie Freeman, and you're going to say Chipper Jones. So, this is an Atlanta Braves-based lineup. I mean, of course it is. So, so all right. I'm a Georgia baby. What can you say? Well, and that's our, where our first question is for you when it comes to what has been going on in the Western Frontier this year, just in the overall, before we get specifically into Carver, Columbus, and Benedictine. What have been some of your takeaways from the, the state of play there in uh, the, the Western Frontier for us this year? I think there's, there's going to be a lot of change as we head into this year and next year. That's kind of the overarching storyline for me when you're talking about you know, uh, teams that are going to be on the rise. I look at teams like Sly County, Manchester, Chat Coke continuing, even though they're going to have to replace Cody Duffy at quarterback. But um, I have full confidence in Pierre Coffey in that group. What Tanner Glissa has going on at, at Troop County, Matt Napier at LaGrange, you know, just a lot of teams that you see everything starting to come together. And I, in that this year was kind of the stepping stone to where next year, they can really be players in the, on the state stage. And he, uh, obviously we're talking about Carver here today in a little bit, so you did talk about them for sure. And then you have a team like a Northside who, you know, before um, Illumit Moore went down, they were looking fantastic at the beginning of the year, and then the season kind of went sideways from there on. But there's a lot of talent here in the Chattahoochee Valley, and it just seems that next year could really be a breakout year, especially with the new reclassifications. You have a lot of Columbus schools that will be in 3A for the first time in about 15 years since I was in high school. So it's going to be a big, big change here in the Chattahoochee Valley for sure. 
Well, let's just jump right in to talk about Carver Columbus. We just had Christian talk about this quad A matchup, but he was zeroing in on Benedictine. So thoughts on Carver through the playoffs as a one seed. They got through that semifinal matchup 22-21 against Cedartown. So what 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 were your thoughts on them? Man, the overarching storyline for me for Carver in this playoff run so far is the fact that these guys just will not be denied. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, West Lawrence came in in the first round, punched them in the mouth. They were winning in the fourth quarter. And then DJ Riles and uh, Jada Cradle, they turned it on in the fourth quarter. Carver pulls away, gets the win. Second round against Havenville Charter was some of what we've seen so far in the regular season for Carver where they jump out on you quick, fast, in a hurry, and put you away, and they ended up winning that game by about 40. And then in the Elite Eight in the Final Four, just an outright battle. And, like, I, the thing I see with this team is they're gamers. You know, they're, you know, outside of Elijah Pritchett, who's committed to go to Alabama, the offensive lineman, there's not a lot of highly, you know, heralded, you know, recruits on this squad. You know, you look at D.J. Riles, the quarterback, he's committed to Middle Tennessee. Jaden Cradle has not really been recruited at all. You want to talk about give that kid an offer? There you, there you go. go. There you go. Like, give that kid an offer. Because <laughs> that kid has been incredible. Jamari Riley is just as good as well. So, you know, for me, it's just a bunch of gamers who just will not say no, who will not say die. And that's dangerous in the playoffs. Spoken like the Shaw kid who knows what's going on down there in Columbus. Love the passion. Oh, you yeah. got you to remember that I was at Shaw when Del McGee was coaching at Carver. So the last time that Carver made it this far. So trust me, I have a very vivid memory of what this team can be. When you talk to Corey and everybody down there about Benedictine specifically, what are their concerns heading into this game? Well, you have to start with holding um, Gariner. I hope I'm pronouncing his name you right. You got it. Holding Gariner. You're there. Yes. Um, the Auburn commit, he is incredible. And a lot of people in our area got a taste of BC last year when they played Troop County in that shootout in the first round last year. And a lot of people have have not forgotten, you know, just how prolific that offense was because Troop County had a squad last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that pushed Carver to the limit in the region title game. So a lot of people haven't forgotten about that. And, you know, via our friends down at WSAV in Savannah, we've actually been showing, we actually showed the highlights of BC and North Oconee on Friday night. So people can kind of get a taste. Did you get of- some extra time in your sports cast to show all those highlights, man? Hey, they always after everything we do at 6 o'clock, man. So, <laughs> but I digress. They, uh, um, but we were able, you know, we were able to kind of give them kind of like a sneak peek at, you know, what to expect. And, you know, that explosive offense for BC, you know, you got to figure out a way to contain them. Now, Carver's got some dudes, you know, when you have Cam Crowell and Mike Merriweather on that, in that defense in the secondary, they got some dudes back there. And the one thing I've noticed is that in the four games in the playoffs, they have adapted to every offense they've played, whether it's been kind of that kind of like spread look that West Lawrence runs or that ba- that balance look or you know, Hateville and Doherty, they like to run it up the gut, ground and pound. Or you have the wing T triple option with Cedartown. They have adapted to what they've had to play against. And they're going to have to do that pretty much snap to snap And when Benedictine and Carver Columbus head to Center Park. Jack Patterson, WRBL-TV. 
here in Columbus, hanging out with us on the Football Fridays. In tell Georgia. Rex we said hey. Yeah, tell. Well, yeah, Rex is Rex is uh, slightly busy. So yeah, it, he's it, he's in Atlanta when we're taping this, covering Pacelli in the uh, flag football semis. Yep. So uh, when you when you both come back next week and we decide the uh, the tag team championship of the state of Georgia when it comes to Football Fridays, it'll be good to catch up with you. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. No problem. See you guys on Friday at Center Park Stadium, baby. Guest number five, I am honored to introduce my gal Paige Dower, sports director at WALB. We are going to have you preview double A and single A public, those big championship matchups. Your assignment this week, Paige. But first, we (laughs) want your thoughts on Central and Southwest Georgia through the playoffs. Well, first, it's great to be back on the show. I'm glad you all brought me back. But, you know, playoffs here in Southwest Georgia, it brought us a ton of surprises. You know, you look at Lee County, who got blanked by Buford. Total surprise. Collins Hill taking down Lounge. That was another great surprise. And then, you know, Cockwood County losing really early in the playoffs. I was not predicting that to happen at all. But, you know, also another surprise still here is that Irwin County um, is still here coming into the uh, final game of the season. They lost a lot of players after their state championship win last season. And even if you ask Soliday, he's a bit surprised they made it this far, too. <laughs> so we had some not so good surprises and some pleasant surprises along the way. All right. Since you name drop, we'll go ahead and start with single A public yeah. and, and talk about Irwin County. And when you catch up with Coach Soliday and, and cover him as much as you do, the biggest thing is is that a lot of folks, and himself included, thought that this was going to be a rebuilding year. If this is a rebuilding year for Irwin County, what's <laughs> I, a re- hate, what's, you know, I hate to I hate see to what see, a yeah, exactly. regular season's like. I know. What's it been like for you to, to look at Irwin County this season? I know. I think it was maybe more of a reload than a rebuild as far as now that they're here and then the final state championship game, which is quite impressive. But, you know, Following them this year, they really have made leaps and bounds from where they were in the beginning of the season, just losing so many of those playmakers from last year and having to have, you know, Cody Soliday really step up this year and to have the Marcus Lundy be such a key component for them on the offense. They've really made strides in their offensive play and they're averaging like 40 points per game on offense and their defense. I mean, they're holding these guys and their opponents to 14, 15 points a game. So, like you said, it was supposed to be a rebuild year, but they're somehow just as strong as they've been in years past. This is one of the games I'm really excited yes. for, Irwin County, Brooks County. And I think it's going to take a lot for Brooks County to beat Irwin, but the way that they beat Metter 49-7, to anything can happen. Let's move on to A. We got Fitzgerald versus Thomasville. Fitzgerald back in the finals, second year in a row. They lost to Callaway last year. Bulldogs reached the finals in 1993, so they are trying to get a championship as well. So Paige Fitzgerald versus Thomasville. Thoughts on them through the playoffs and then and, and this big matchup? Yeah, so I think Thomasville enters this game with all the momentum in the world, if that's something that you all buy into as far as momentum goes. Um, for Fitzgerald, too, they're another team, especially being in these small regions. You see it all the time in single A and double A. Their guys play both ways. So when you lose someone to graduation, you're really losing two players. So on offense, they lost 9 of 11 for Fitzgerald on offense. So the offense has kind of, I wouldn't say it's in their weakness, but the defense has definitely been the strength of this team. And in this last few games here in the postseason, you see that offense really starting to pick up and start to match the defensive efforts to be able to play that complimentary football. I talked to Tucker and he was saying, you know, in their last game against Waynesboro, they had one of the scoring drives was just in two plays. 
If you wow. ask if they have been that explosive earlier in the season, absolutely not. So for them to be able to find explosive plays like that this deep into the postseason speaks for itself on the leaps and bounds they've been able to make to match their defensive strengths. Uh, but it'll be a big game for them, too. I think this team with Thomasville, they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, for both of them, was one of their lowest-scoring games when they met earlier this year, and Thomas won. Thomasville won 15-8. to eight. And talking to Tucker, you know, I'm like, every other game since 2016, it's gone back and forth, and the road mm-hmm. team is the one that always seems to win. And he was laughing, saying that hopefully that trend continues on, uh, on the state championship game because they lost to Thomasville earlier this year. So if the trend continues, then this game, is theirs and they win that second elusive state title so I think there's a lot of storylines coming into this game um, for Thomasville and Fitzgerald and it all comes on to their offense and who kind of scores first and scores last and when you talk about Thomasville chasing after their first state title since 88 first championship game appearance since 93 there's a lot of history there for someone who's never been to Thomasville to see what it's like there for the Bulldogs at Veterans Memorial Stadium, what is the vibe in Thomasville for the Bulldog fan and I know for the, the Yellow Jacket fan as well at Thomas County Central, but specifically, what's it been like for you to, to cover Thomasville? Yeah, Thomasville, it's one of the best environments to be in on, on Friday nights in high school football. It really is a, a really special atmosphere. Talking to Coach that grade, she had a unique comment Um they all have a senior walk, the final game that they play at home each season. And in the past, that senior walk came after a loss. So this is the first time that their last game they play at Veterans Memorial comes with a win. And you're able to do that senior walk and have and then not be the last game of the year that came in a loss. I thought that was really special that they were able to do that. Um, but, you know, Grace says this team travels well, too. So I think we'll have a Veterans Memorial 2.0 here at Center Park Stadium. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it really is a really special atmosphere. And you can see this community really buys in to who these players are off the field. They're dominant on the field, but they're even better guys off the field. And I think that's why there are so many people in the community that buy into this program because they're really good people. And it's easy to cheer for really good people that you know and you care about. And I think that's what makes this veterans memorial Thomasville bulldog fan base really strong and really um frustrating if you're the opponent having Mm -hmm. to to be there and to listen to them uh but it's it's something special if you haven't been a part of it yet well thanks for this amazing insight page great preview of the game i feel more informed i don't know about you john but i'm ready for this matchup now yeah (laughs) So thank you Paige. we cannot wait to see you at center park stadium later this week yeah i'll be looking forward to it Batting sixth for the Football Fridays in Georgia lineup here with the All-Stars. It is Marvin James, Warner Robins alum. He is in a large truck. He is in the, no. he's in a 36-wheeler. It's not even an 18-wheeler. It's <laughs> That's a 36-wheeler. Right, wow. So he's doing this. So where is he going with 36 wheels? Oh, he, he's, he is covering everything in central Georgia for That's us good. and for WMAZ. I think 13, I saw him in Atlanta. Yeah, 13 WMAZ. And so, uh, Marvin, there's only one way, really, that we can start this rapid-fire uh uh, edition of interviews. So, would you like to to kick it off with the appropriate greeting, sir? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, let's go. There we go. All right. Let's go. So, let's let's go and discuss. Let's start, I guess, off the top. Let's talk about Central Georgia on the whole. And what are some of your okay. takeaways with Central Georgia football and your footprint from the playoffs getting to the last game of the year? Well, okay. So we'll we'll, we'll kind of save 
Warner Robins then if we're, we're going to talk about all of Central Georgia. Right. Once again, um, Central Georgia did a great job of, of representing um, football. You know, Perry, got to give a shout-out to Perry and Coach Kevin Smith out there. They did an amazing um, quarterfinals appearance um, two years in a row, back-to-back region champs. I mean, I think that speaks volumes of where that program has come. Um, so I've been proud of the way that they've been operating. You know, Jones County also won their, their region, and, and they played really well. Uh, made it to uh, the uh, uh, yeah, made it to quarterfinals as well. So um, Peach County, you know, Coach Chad Campbell started off, um, you know, I think they started off 0-2, and, and then they were able to bounce back and um, shake up some things around within their team and, and make it to the quarterfinals. Uh, they lost to a tough Pierce County team that was playing in it last year. So those are just three or uh, three teams that uh, really did well and excelled here and um, at the at the uh, Central Georgia level. And, they, and they're just so it's a, it's a proud area, you know, because we're not South Georgia football or we're not Atlanta Metro, or you know, I guess everything outside of Atlanta is Metro or North Georgia. But right. We're we're Central Georgia, so we're a proud area. We want to be able to. Um, put our mark out there and let people know that we play a tough brand of football here. Well, we'll hit you in the mouth. Good save on five eggs. I'm going to have you preview that championship game. It's Warner Robins versus Calhoun. Warner Robins, second year back in the finals. They won the championship last year against Cartersville. Calhoun, first time they're back since 2017 when they won the championship. Thoughts on this matchup, and did you see these two teams battling it out here in the last game of the season? Yeah, actually, I did. I thought that um, – it was going to be between, um, you know, that whole region of Cartersville, um, Blessed Trinity, and Calhoun. They've been battling. They've battled out every year, back and forth. Um, I was there in 2017 when um, Calhoun made it to the state finals and they beat um, Peach County in that um, controversial yes. game that happened at the uh, at the at the Mercedes Benz. Um, and you know, but uh, they're they're a tough team. Great team led by the quarterback uh, Christian Lewis. Um, I know him and his, his brother Chris um, are um, twins, and um, I went to school with their parents down in Georgia Southern, so I've been following them a lot, a pretty good little ways of their career. And they just continue to impress, and I know they're excited to be able to play on the big stage their senior year, um, you know, to follow that great tradition that Coach Lamb um, built down there in and, and, um, and Calhoun. But then when you talk about what Warner Robins has been able to do five years in a row going to the state finals, that is a, a tall order. And, and uh, sometimes when you win so much, people people kind of overlook those things and and don't tr- truly appreciate it. But that's something to be, um, you know, enough to be praised about. And I'm sure they're going to really appreciate it later on in their careers. But they have a chance to win it back-to-back for the first time in the school's um, history, the program's history. They've won it four times previously, but now get a chance to win it back-to-back is a little something special. So they're loaded, they're talented, and I think it's going to be a great um, game on Saturday. And I think it speaks a lot to what Coach Westbrook and his staff have been able to maintain over this last handful of years, getting to deep playoff runs, getting to the last game of the year, getting everything that uh, what Warner Robins football has meant to Warner Robins. I think it speaks a lot to Mm -hmm. Coach Westbrook and that staff. Yeah, and I I talked to one of the staff um, today, the defensive line coach, um, Coach Dalton, and he was telling me, the swagger is back, like the same swag that was there, um, you know, in the 70s and 80s and the 90s when uh, the Demons were really a prominent football program across the state with Coach um, Davis that was leading the helm. But the swagger is back. And he said, 
it's it's great to coach, but it's also hard to coach because the kids know they're going to win. They feel like they're going to win. They're very confident, not cocky, but it's hard to, to get them up every week when they know that there's a lesser opponent across the field. So I think that's the good thing and the bad thing of playing in a program like that. It's, 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 it's enough to, to continue to um, reward and, and, and talk about the coaches of what Coach Westbrook is doing because it's hard to get 16- and 17-year-olds, you know, hyped and committed and up and all that good stuff to, to play on that consistent level, and they're doing that. Proud alum, full disclosure, mm-hmm. proud alum. Yeah. No Sp- doubt, no doubt. Sports anchor mm-hmm. supreme for 13 WMAZ, Marvin James. Marvin, it's great to have you, as always, as a part of the Football Fridays and Georgia All-Stars. We will catch up with you again same time next week to get your review of the final exam for Warner Robins in their game against Calhoun. Thanks for hanging out with us on the show. I'm excited about it. Thank you, guys, and uh, we'll see you um, Saturday. Sounds like a plan. Deal. And last but never least, nope. GPB's Matt Stewart, who will be on the call later this week for a couple of these big-time matchups. Matt, before we preview 7A and 6A with you, what are your overall thoughts on these championship matchups? Well, you know, when you look at them, everything just looks great. And hopefully they all turn out to be uh, as good as advertised. But, I mean, I just look at all these matchups, and I just don't see anything that just says, oh, wow, mismatch or anything like that. Certainly from a historical perspective, you have some games that look uh, a little bit different than others, like a Langston Hughes, you know, playing in the finals for the first time ever against a Buford team going for their third straight and they're for the 14th uh, state championship. But it, once you get beyond that you know, facet of that game, and don't get caught up in that and just start talking about the talent levels of the two teams and what they've been able to do. I like that. I think that's a great matchup right there. Uh, you know, the, the experience factor maybe plays in, but I don't know whether it will or not. I just know from the talent level, Langston Hughes certainly does stack up against Buford, and that should be a great game too. And, that, you know, just all of them across the board, you know, Benedictine and Carver Columbus are back in the big show for the first time in a while. I think that's going to be a fun one uh, in 4A, the two South Georgia powers, you know, coming, well, across the board, not just those two teams, but also, you know, Fitzgerald and uh, Thomasville, what a matchup that's going to be. And then you got the rematch in single-A public, and I'll be calling that game too. Uh, Just got off the phone with those two coaches. That's going to be an exciting matchup. And then the region rivalry game between, you know, Cedar Grove and Carver Atlanta. In fact, we got a number of region rivalry matchups uh, in the state finals here. Uh, in fact, three of them, if I'm not mistaken. So then let's go straight to 7A, since you talked about 6A and, and Langston Hughes being in there for the first time. I mean, a school in Langston Hughes that's only 12 years old making it to a right. championship game is fantastic. But in 7A, I know a lot of folks at the beginning of the playoffs, the beginning of the year, really, were looking at Collins Hill, nationally ranked, all the star power that they've got. They made it to the last game of the year against a Milton team that has really caught fire. Well, I had Milton number one in my preseason ranking. So, I mean, and, and I did not have Collins Hill there. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about star power, both of them certainly have it. If you're talking about, like, total quantity of star power, Milton maybe has even more college prospects than, than Collins Hill. They don't have Travis Hunter, though, and they don't have Sam Horn. Those two guys are two of the highest-ranked players in the state. 
I mean, this is like a college football game. I mean, there's more, there's going to be a lot more stars on the field in this game, uh, you know, on the top end than a lot of college football games that you see on Saturday. Now I'm not saying that this is like a college football game because you got to go top to bottom, the entire roster and the depth stuff. But, you know, as far as high level talent, this is about as good as it gets. Same thing in the six day game too. I mean, we, I mean, you have so much star power from a college football recruiting standpoint, the six and seven A's is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. But the, I, you know, the seven A matchup is just going to be a tremendous matchup. You know, all, uh, uh, you know, Hill, uh, Milton had the loss to, um, uh, you know, North Cobb early on in the season after Buford had beaten North Cobb in the opener, and Collins Hill's just been mashing people. We saw them do that to, you know, uh, Collins Collins Hill mashed Grayson in the semifinals this this past Friday night on GPB. They've just been dominant. I expect this to be a game that maybe goes down to the final possession, the final play of the game in 7A. Circling back to 6A, I want to touch on Buford, too. Got to talk to Coach App at the media days on Sunday, and he's just so calm, cool, and collected. And he was talking about the fans and the community kind of taking all these wins for granted. You know, they're going for three championships in a row. So thoughts on Buford back? I actually asked him what his game day routine was at Center Park Stadium because, I mean, it's basically home for them now. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that's a message that he's been, you know, telling to us all season long when we've, you know, talked about talked to him about Buford games that we've televised is, you know, that there's a uh, apathy's not the word, but I think the expectation is that they just show up and win, and that's kind of the message to his team. So he kind of fights to use the word of the day, the rat poison, the yep. Nick Saban rat. He fights that rat poison oh, in yeah. the halls of his own school and his own community where they just think they show up and win the games. And he says it's not that. And that's the message that he constantly has to, you know, preach to his team is that, no, it isn't. You don't just show up and you don't just win. If you don't do the things that you've been taught and the things that we've practiced this week and all season long, you can get beat. And so that's something that he works on all the time. It's kind of uh, it's a blessing and a curse for Buford, if you will. They've won 13 state championships. That's the blessing. The curse is people start to take for granted that they've won those 13 state championships. I know he doesn't take it for granted. And he said, people ask me, you know, does it become old hat? He says, heck no, man. I says, I'm still as nervous going into this state championship game as, you know, the first one I did as a head coach and going back to all the uh, state championship games that I got prepared for as an assistant coach under Jeff Simpson and Dexter Woods. So, yeah, I mean, he doesn't take it for granted. And his big challenge is always to keep his players grounded and very interesting comparison. I, I you know, I, I said I, his program reminds me a lot of the Alabama program. Yep. I hear the boo and hisses from all the Georgia fans <laughs> out there, which I think, but I think you have to respect that. Alabama is a program loaded with talent and nothing's given to you there. I'm not saying, I'm not saying implying that anything's given to anybody else. I'm just talking about Alabama right now. Nothing's given to you over there. You show mm-hmm. up with five stars. It's not given to you. You got to earn your way onto the field. And I, and Buford's the same way. They are loaded and stacked with talent, but that doesn't mean anything. You still got to earn your playing time and 
most of the time those guys, including the starting quarterback, doesn't even know whether he's going to be the starter or not until 15 minutes before the game. So, uh, you know, that approach. And so he, he agreed when I said do, I would compare you to Alabama. So, yes, we model ourselves after Alabama. The other twist to that was he says we also model ourselves after West Point. So that's where the discipline part of it comes in. It's a very interesting contrast that he models himself after their, they model their program after Alabama, but they also model their program after Army West Point. I think it tells a lot about why they're so good. And I saw a tweet today, you know, and it said, you know, a lot of teams have a lot of great talent, but able, but being able to win with it, you know, you got to give Buford a lot of credit because they do that. There's a lot of programs that have a lot of great talent, and don't always win with it, Buford always wins with it. Matt, one last thing before we wrap up the show this week is I wanted to to reach out to you and kind of break down what this weekend is for Georgia Public Broadcasting. I mean, it is wall-to-wall football. It's our, it's our Super Bowl weekend, and it literally is. It's like it's our Daytona 500. It's the Super Bowl. It's all of those super events wrapped up into three days, and it's the crowning jewel here at GPB. It's not our wrestling raw. No, it'd have to be WrestleMania because WrestleMania <laughs> okay, takes see, more I mean, than a couple see, I of days. Can't even, I can't even do that. I, you and Wayne get in there together, and you guys are all talking about wrestling and everything, and I'm always left out. And so I was trying <laughs> Me to too, put in a wrestling wrestler reference, <laughs> and I couldn't even get it right because I don't know. Wrestling so, wrong. It's our, it's our I, WrestleMania, yes. Okay, I, I knew you'd get me straight on that. So, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, the, this is the crowning – this is the crowning of our season, and we hope every week that we're absolutely, you know, given our best, whether, you know, it's the recruiting show or it's the podcast or it's our blogs, it's, uh, it's the game, it's the post-game show, it's all that stuff that we do. Uh, and w- every week we're trying to give a, and do our absolute best, and then it all culminates in this, this avalanche, this tidal wave of 11 games counting the flag football yep. and uh hopefully the previous uh however many weeks it's been uh 14 weeks i guess i lose track however many weeks it's been hopefully that's all prepared us to be ready for this but it's still a daunting task no doubt about it and you know we you me hannah all of us that are on camera, you know, people see us, but there's so many people behind the scenes making this all work, all the way from top to bottom, and no job is not important. And so I sometimes I refer to us as the GPB Army on the air. We are. And it is. We're, we're a little army. We come marching, into, come marching into your high school or your community to put on this show and it's an honor for us to be able to wrap it up with all these state championship games at Center Park Stadium. Yep, so many moving pieces, and it all comes together. Well, Matt, you're going to hang out while we wrap up the show here. Let me go over the schedule really quick on Thursday. Those three flag football championship games start at 11, then 1245, and 2.30. Then we've got single-A private at 5 o'clock and single-A public at 8 o'clock. Then Friday we will have our noon matchup start us off with double-A. 3.30 will be quad-A, and 7 o'clock, 6-A, Saturday, December 11th. Our noon game is 3-A, then 3.30. That will be the Class 5-A championship and finally the primetime seven o'clock game class 7a milton versus collins hill really looking forward to that one in all of these games john yeah it's going to be fun and the gpb army will be there all week 
for all of these games. And it's going to be cool to see the flag football games as well. Three of them this year instead of the two from last year because more teams are now involved. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's going to be a blast, and it's going to be great to see everybody down at Center Park. And, uh, Matt, you're paired with Rusty Mansell and Wayne Gandy, right? That's right. So my uh, they make it easy for me so I don't get things messed up in my schedule. I always have at least the last game every day, and then when we have three games, I get the second and the last game. So I'll be doing uh, 1A Public, the Irwin and Brooks game with Wayne, and I'll also be doing the 6A Buford and Hughes and the 7A Milton and Collins Hill with Wayne, and then Rusty Mansell going to jump on board with us this year. Excited to have him on board with us with the 4 and the 5A with uh, Collins, uh, with Columbus, Carver Columbus and Benedictine in the 4A and in the 5A, the uh, the Warner Robinson Calhoun matchup. So, Matt, as always, great to have you on with the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars. Same time next week, you'll put a bow on the season for us. For Todd Holcomb, let me see if I get the roster right. <laughs> Todd Holcomb, the Georgia High School Football Daily. John Kuhn from Vidalia. Christian Gokelly, SPN Coastal. Jack Patterson, WRBL in Columbus. Paige Dower, WALB in Albany. Marvin James, 13 WMAZ in the Voice of Football Fridays. Matt Stewart. She's Hannah. I'm John. That's your preview. That's the All-Stars. Enjoy the championships at Center Park. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.